I would like to celebrate birthdays again. I would like to have our weekly calls together be in the same room. I would like to have our Thanksgiving potluck and our Christmas parties. Welcome to WFSU's Perpetual Pandemic Podcast. I'm Gina Jordan. I do really miss being able to go out and experience Tallahassee, if you will, you know, rooftop bars, farmers markets, things that, you know, technically I could go do. I just don't feel comfortable. What do you miss? What has the pandemic removed from your life that you want back? For some, the pandemic has put a stop to busyness. They can no longer count on the usual activities of the week, and they've been forced to cope with isolation and confront how our lives would look without family and friends. It's made what used to be normal routines look downright spectacular. And if you've ever longed for a few days of staying home in your PJs, well, you may have had more than your fill since March. We are in Kauke Park. Some pronounce it kooky, Kauke. It's a debate among the neighbors, I'm sure. Um, Carson Mitchell is very green-minded. She's 26, and she works as the communications manager for Florida Conservation Voters. So it's a city park, and it goes all the way to Optimus Park. So we have this awesome greenway, if you will, from Kauke to the trail to Optimist. Um, So it's really just so inviting to come out here. And I've seen some amazing Uh, wildlife. Carson's old routine involved going into the office every morning. Now her commute has been replaced by daily walks with her employer's approval. They know that that my walks are very therapeutic for me and let me like shed the burdens of the election and the climate crisis and all the compounding fires everywhere. When I'm on my walks it's clear. You know my, my mind is clear I feel like we're in this very unique moment where we're given this opportunity to slow down and I'm trying to take that opportunity. Carson says she didn't pay much attention to her personal well-being until she was forced to take stock. I think pre-pandemic, I've been thinking about this. I didn't give myself investment and time because It was okay to be running on medium fuel. But now the dial has put us all pretty much on empty, emotionally, physically, in so many ways. So investing my 30 minutes every day in myself sets me up for meeting the challenges of the day. So one of the best things about my morning walks, honestly, is seeing my neighbors. Uh, whether it's Spurgeon taking his daily walk, Vince stopping to talk about the election with me, or, you know, even the people that I see every day but don't exactly know who they are, you know, the guy in the corner of Achina that I wave to every morning. Um, I really hope that those little interactions will continue to bring joy and continue to mean as much as they do. Having the ability to wave and say hello to someone in the morning is really simple, but it's brought me a lot of joy. I hope that that's permanent. The appreciation for what was once mundane. With all the good Carson has found and the changes in her life, the isolation remains. 
Don Carr is an associate professor in the sociology department at Florida State University. She's also a faculty associate at the Pepper Institute on Aging and Public Policy. We chatted via Zoom about why Zoom meetings with our coworkers or FaceTime sessions with family just aren't good enough. The extent to which we experience the feeling of loneliness means that we don't feel like we're connected to others. In person, there's, there's something quite different than the interaction we get from, from Zoom. There is a human need to connect with others in ways that I think is being insufficiently met for a lot of people. Yeah, how might relationships be impacted by this period where not only are we not spending physical time with each other, maybe we're just not keeping up with each other like we used to. There were a lot of anecdotal stories about people who, because they weren't using their time with, let's say, the people in their more immediate spaces, uh, they started connecting with people across the country because it just almost hadn't occurred to them that they could do that, that they could regularly maintain connections with people who weren't in their immediate everyday lives. But we don't prioritize friends and social connections as much as we could. It's easy to say you need to eat well and you need to physically exercise and you need to do all of these things. And the pandemic has shined a light on sort of the inadequacy of our social lives in many cases. We, we tend to sort of take those things for granted. We just don't nurture oftentimes relationships, acknowledging how incredibly important they are. And if anything is a good outcome from the pandemic, I would argue it's that I think people like suddenly really are aware of how critically important their social worlds are, their social health. Is. So you're saying the research shows that just as important as eating your greens and getting in that daily walk is being in the presence of other people. Actually, the research shows it's even more potent than those things. There was a meta-analysis that was done in 2010 that argued that being lonely is as bad as smoking. When you look at the effects collectively, the people who are lonely are the ones with the worst outcomes. It was a problem before the pandemic a pretty serious one, about 40% of young people and 20 to 30% of older people were regularly lonely. So I think we've been bonked on the head with the awareness of what a big deal it is to be facing a, a life where we don't have sufficient meaningful connections in our lives. Certainly the days of people working in the office full time very well maybe over for a lot of folks. And I'm just wondering if you have any advice for those people who, who won't get to see their coworkers regularly anymore in lieu of working from home. The people that we engage with at work are sometimes some of the most important part of our social worlds. And if we're spending the vast majority of our lives with other people who are not our family, <laughs> in general, that's true, then it's really important that we have a meaningful situation with our jobs. And I think that Zoom has increased the quality of those kinds of interactions. You know, advice I would probably say is to not allow yourself to get cut off from everyone. It's easy to do, but acknowledging that a work world is a social world, not just a place where you get paid. And doing that when you're online takes more intention. Figure out the best ways to sort of take advantage of the flexibility that that might offer as well. As we're having this conversation, my 13-year-old son came in to ask me a question and I had to ask him to leave. And this happens quite a bit and it is part of our work lives now where, you know, our personal lives and our work worlds do become intermixed in ways that they haven't previously. And 
that can be a struggle, but it can also be a strength. I think if we use it that way. What have you found yourself thinking about most during the pandemic? I have a lot of worry, to be honest, and not about the pandemic per se, but sort of the way that I feel like the world has responded to it. You know, I think one of the things the pandemic has accentuated is priorities. I really had hoped at the beginning of the pandemic, it's like, oh, we're all in this together. What a great opportunity for us all to have the same experience at the same time. And it turns out that's not how things have played out. What I've seen too is within my own social worlds, people very deeply important to me, it's been hard to figure out our comfort with risk. It's a very interesting and sometimes uncomfortable decision of trying to balance out, am I comfortable exposing myself under these circumstances versus others? And that is anxiety producing. Am I making the right decision? I go to the grocery store regularly. It's the only risk I take, really. But that's important to me because I like to cook. Other people have all their grocery delivered, but they have parties in their house with their close friends. I think that's been quite difficult to navigate. Despite all of that, I actually think to the future with a lot of, of hope that it will get better. Because if I don't, I can't get up in the morning. Don Carr ended our chat by saying she hopes the pandemic makes more people realize we should be helping each other, especially those who have no choice but to be out there taking risks. That brings me back to Carson, who's been thinking a lot about friendships. Every individual has their own way that they're dealing with this pandemic and with the milestones lost. And it's difficult when the people you care about and want to hang out with do things different. So, for example, I've had to reject really awesome invites to go to the beach for the weekend or want to meet us at proof. There's been a lot of no's. No, 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 constantly to my friends, to people I love. So I've been thinking about the power and the responsibility of no, especially with people you care about. What do you miss? What changes brought by the pandemic do you think may be permanent? Let us know at WFSU News on Twitter and at WFSU Public Media on Instagram and Facebook. Our next episode focuses on cabin fever. I want a new house. Thank you for joining us for the Perpetual Pandemic Podcast. For WFSU News, I'm Gina Jordan.